Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Listen what he says here in Psalm 137.5. Please pay attention. We started. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If you were a carpenter in those days and your right hand forgot its skill, you couldn't hit a, a nail, you wouldn't prosper. So this man says, if I don't remember Jerusalem, let my right hand just forget whatever I do, how to write, how to add, how to do math. We need to put our attention on what's happening in Jerusalem. Verse 6 says, if I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the top of my mouth. That means you're starving to death. You have no food and no drink. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my, feet, uh, my chief joy. Uh, what's this mean? As God's people, you have to love what God loves. And the Bible says that the eyes of God are upon his people day and night. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He wants there to be peace. He tells us in those scriptures, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And why peace? Because they're surrounded by enemies on every side. And you need to understand that. It's a constant enemy. And, and these are the physical Jerusalem, the the physical Israel. We are the spiritual Jerusalem. We are the spiritual people of God, the chosen people. And we're surrounded by enemies. How many have enemies in your life? People just wish they could cut your head off, right? Um, destroy your marriage, destroy your family, your finances. They're just all constantly. The demons torment the people of God. So looking back at this, I want this church to understand what's happening in the Middle East. And I got a real four-minute illustration that's going to give you a full description of what's happened the last 50 years. Let's go ahead and watch this. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is perhaps the most complex political issue of our time. Many have resorted to simply blaming one side or the other. But if we take the time to understand the history and correct our misconceptions, a potential path forward for the Palestinians begins to emerge. So let's start by trying to get the story straight and clear up 10 of the biggest misconceptions out there. Misconception number one, Israel illegally stole land from the Palestinians. In 1947, the UN voted to give land to both the Jews and the Palestinians. The Jews accepted their partition and legally formed the state of Israel. The Palestinians rejected their partition and attacked. Even after losing the war, the Arabs still had most of the land from the UN ruling. Which leads us to misconception number two. The surrounding Arab nations actually want to create a Palestinian state. So after the war, the West Bank and Gaza were controlled by Jordan and Egypt for 19 years. During that span, those governments never established a Palestinian state. Instead, they kept the land for their own use. Misconception number three. The Arab nations want to solve the refugee crisis. Palestinians have settled in Arab nations throughout the Middle East. These nations could solve the crisis immediately by granting refugees equal rights. But instead, they refuse to let them vote, own land, or even study in public schools. Ironically, the only country to grant them full citizenship rights is Israel, which absorbed 156,000 Arabs after the 1948 war. And even today, Arabs hold seats in the Israeli government and Supreme Court. Misconception number four, UN efforts are helping to solve the refugee crisis. 
The UN did step in to provide assistance to the Palestinian refugees. But instead of using their existing agency that helps resettle refugee populations around the world, the UN created UNRWA, which labels every Palestinian as a refugee until a Palestinian state is formed within the borders of Israel. This makes it more difficult for Palestinians to thrive in their host countries and locks them into perpetual refugee status, passing it on to their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, swelling the refugee population from 500,000 in 1949 to nearly 5 million today. As conditions worsened, the international aid started to pour in, which incidentally is misconception number five. The solution is more money. Really? Western nations have given the Palestinians a ton of aid. Even taking inflation into account, they've been given 25 times more money per person than Europe was given to rebuild after World War II. Where's the stable economy? Where's the improved infrastructure? That money sure could have helped, but it was given to some leaders who had a different agenda, which brings us headlong into misconception number six. Forming a state is the primary goal of top Palestinian leaders. All of this international aid did go to help ease one man's suffering, Yasser Arafat. After his death, accountants hired by Arafat's own family discovered secret investments worth more than $1 billion. That income stream would be threatened if a new state was formed, which gives leaders like Arafat, or Mahmoud Abbas for that matter, a billion plus reasons to never actually sign a peace treaty. Which leads us to misconception number seven. Israel has a true peace partner. In the year 2000, desperate for a resolution, the Israelis elected Prime Minister Ehud Barak with a mandate to make peace with the Palestinians. Barak offered Yasser Arafat 94% of the land he demanded, except Jerusalem. Arafat flatly refused. President Clinton blamed the failure of the best chance at peace in 60 years squarely on Yasser Arafat. Which brings up perhaps the most common misconception of all, number eight. Israel just needs to give up land for peace. The last time Israel tried this was in 2005. They forced thousands of Jewish settlers out of Gaza and in exchange, the Palestinian leaders promised peace. But when the Israelis moved out, the Palestinians voted Hamas in. Yep, they elected a terrorist organization who, since taking power, has fired more than 10,000 rockets into Israel. Surprised? Then you've probably bought into misconception number nine. Most Palestinians want a lasting peace with Israel. Some Palestinians do, but they are a minority. For 60 years, Palestinian educational leaders have fed their children a steady diet of hate, idolizing suicide bombers and celebrating death right in the classroom. And finally, misconception number 10. Giving the Palestinians a state now is the only solution to their suffering. This has been the only approach tried for the last 60 years. But these are people we're talking about. And waiting until they have a state to give them equal rights has only made things worse. Currently, Israel is the only nation to grant full rights to the Palestinians within their borders. But by granting them equal rights in every nation where they live, we could immediately increase the quality of life for every Palestinian. Let's be honest, these misconceptions have concealed potential solutions. When we take time to clear up confusion and face reality, we begin to uncover the truth. And that's when real progress towards justice can begin. Many, many, men. That whole scenario of that, that country of Israel governs the entire world with regards to political, 
time frames, um, and it shouldn't be so. But the truth of the matter is that uh, the God of Israel, um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, in his provision of Jesus Christ, is the only way the entire world will be saved. He's the only true God. He's the God we worship. And so in that region, we shall see how God continues to defend Israel. In 1948, when they established themselves as a nation, all the surrounding Arab countries decided to grab all their tanks and all their armies and go against Israel. And um, they didn't know that there was a defender in the state of Israel named Jesus Christ, right? And he defended that country, and they're still here today. And so that gives us also an understanding of how God takes care of us. It doesn't matter what comes against us, hell or high water, God will lift up a standard. He will lift up a flag saying that we belong to him, and he'll just continue to take us from triumph to triumph. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was like 500 tanks to 10 tanks in that war, and, uh, but all the angels that came and God protecting his people were able to defend to this day. And so we want you to always and constantly pray for the peace of Jerusalem, uh, that they uh, the Bible promises that they're going to come to Jesus Christ. That right now, the only reason they haven't come to Jesus Christ is because God is giving you and I an opportunity to get right with the Lord. And so, uh, with all you're getting, get right with God. Because when our Jewish brothers um, begin to find Jesus Christ as we have found Jesus Christ, I promise you, I promise you, they're going to outdo us in their diligence and in their a desire to honor God. They, they want to honor God with all they have. Uh, Father, we thank you today for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks for the word of God, for everything we've seen in your house, Lord. You truly have adorned us with glory, with favor, with your protection, your spirit and grace, O oh God. And we look forward in the days to come, not in fear, but in faith, not in famine, but in abundance because of your promises. Bless your word now as we share it. We pray, Father God, that we would have a welcoming heart to receive your word, which is a good seed that would give forth good fruit and allow us to have a harvest that would glorify your name. Bless your word and return it not void, Lord. Let it be uh, the bread of life that we nourish ourselves from. Let it be a double-edged sword that reaches in the depth of who we are to prepare us to be your people and to walk in your victories as darkness covers the earth, Lord. Your light shall shine and arise upon your people, and all shall see the greatness of your glory and the brightness of your light upon us. Prosper this word in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Having the opportunity this weekend to take one of my son's uh, laptops to the Apple Store, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to an Apple Store, but it's like bustling with creativity and with a bunch of uh, the uh, they're not geeks over at Best Buy, they're geeks over at Apple, they're geniuses, and all, they're dressed in blue, and they're the finest and the brightest minds that have covered the earth. Let, let, let me tell you something. As I walked in there, I had a broken heart because these great, phenomenal, wise geniuses have no clue at all about what they're supposed to do in this world. And, and God is not, I don't know about you, but thank God, God is not complicated. The simplicity of the gospel is something that we can celebrate this morning as, as they sit there and talk to me about the microchips and processors and hard drives and, and wires and live wires and dead wires and all this stuff. Guess what? Short circuit me in a second. And I said, you guys in Romans 1, 
Uh, Romans 1 verse 22, although you profess to be wise, you have become fools. And if you walk in an Apple store and call them foolish, you'll know that you'll get everybody's attention. And that's what happened this week. And I says, you profess to be wise, but you have become fools. Why? Verse 25, because you have decided to bow down. You have decided to serve. It says you exchange the truth of God for a lie and you bow down, which is the word worship, and serve creation rather than the creator. How could you be so phenomenal to know everything about what God put in existence in creation and you're so not willing to serve and to bow down to God, creator of all things? You profess to be wise, you have become fools. Why? You serve Apple and you don't serve Jesus Christ. You serve the systems of computers that requires so much. I mean, I can't tell you how much time they have to spend there and, and doing their thing. And they're totally blind to our good and awesome God. I asked the chief genius, well, my buddy, old genius you, how many marriages have you gone through already? He says, I'm on my second marriage. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And guess what? God wants to give us a clue. And he wants to make it simple so that we could come to him in such a transparent manner with this question, Luke 18, 18, where one man comes up to Jesus and he says like this, what must I do to tap into this eternal life? And, and you could imagine yourself asking this question at the Apple store, what do I need to do? And they're like, brother, you need like 10 to 15 years of a good education to be, to be able to start to understand these systems and all the proprietary rights that are therein. So imagine walking up to Jesus Christ and saying, what must I do to come in to tap into eternal life? And, and imagine the list, the long list of all the requirements to be able to get your soul and your family saved eternally. Imagine how much paperwork, how many disclaimers should be there. I, I love this verse in John chapter uh, 21. The Bible says here that uh, verse 25. And there also are so many things that Jesus did. Which if they were written in a book or in a manual. I suppose that they wouldn't fit in the whole world. The whole world could not contain the books that would be written. About everything that Jesus has done. Imagine that. I love the simplicity of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Ready for this? In the beginning was God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen to me. I think it would have taken men 50 volumes to, to be able to describe and write down what it took, one verse in the Bible, for you to understand the simplicity of his existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, some men want to get into that first verse, and they get stuck there. I was talking to a young man in Salt Lake City. He says, I don't believe in God. I said, well, you're such a fool. You don't have a clue. And the reason why I say he's a fool is biblical. It's in Psalm 14, verse 1. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. He thinks that, let's go ahead and put that up there just so you write it down. You can show your friends next time they say God doesn't exist. You could show them Psalm 14, 1. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And because there is no God in their life, they have become corrupt. They have done horrible things. There's none who does good. God is the source of everything done right. What must I do? 
to have eternal life. Another man came up to Jesus in Matthew 19, 16. He says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get, what are the qualifications? What are the hoops I have to jump through to be able to know God? And then this is what the Lord asked me to share to you in Matthew 3, 2. This is the simple reality of God is turn around because the kingdom of God is within hand's reach. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to read manuals. You don't have to sit there and be a mathematician and a scientist and a psychic and a, and a physicist. And you don't have to sit there and study the stars and become an astronomer. You don't have to sit there and go to school. It's the simplicity of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you take that step, the Bible says, by faith we understand. Until you take that step, you won't understand anything. The Bible says he hides from the wisdom of the wise. That although they wanted to know God, they became fools. Because they began to try and focus on creation, on, on altitude and, and atmosphere and climate and, and all the formulas. You imagine the formulas that you would have to, I, I want to sit down and understand all this and then I'll believe God. Listen to me. God was before all things. And in his goodness, the Bible says he's revealed himself to a select few. You know who that select few is? It's the unlearned. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, he says, Consider you, look around this room. Tell me who you see who's bright and glorious. Tell me who you see in this place. Somebody that is mighty and noble. He says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. I, you're, you're listening to a high school dropout this morning. Okay? A, a guy who was going nowhere really quick until I took a step of faith in coming to Jesus Christ. And then the wisdom of God has poured out from the heavens. Verse 27 says like this. He says, no, God selected what in the world's eyes are shameful. He says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise as I was explaining to these young men at the Apple store about how to form a family all of them were from broken families all of them didn't have a clue how to make a woman happy how to have a wife and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame those things the mighty God has chosen the weak things the frail things that's who he has chosen. Verse 28, it says that God selected the base things of the world, the things which are despised, that God has chosen the things, people are like, oh, there's no, listen to me, the things which are not, to bring to nothing those things that are. Isn't that awesome? So that no mortal, it says, what, why did God choose it this way? So that no one, verse 29, no mortal can glory, no flesh should glory in his presence. This, my friends, listen to me. The gospel is not about you. The gospel is about what God has done, not what you're doing. And as you see what God has done, you can sit there and relax and say, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that all the requirements, all the religious ceremonies and rituals, he's wiped out in one second. We read this in Colossians. I want to read this verse real quickly. I know that you guys didn't think I could do a 10-minute sermon. Here it goes, Colossians 2.13. The Bible says he grabbed all the requirements. Since we were dead in our trespasses, we were dead. There was no chance. Verse 14. 
having wiped out all the handwritten requirements. Oh, you got to be born. You got to circumcise. You got to baptize. You got to wear. You got to think. You got to do. You got to obey. All that is gone because of the cross of Jesus Christ. All of it is gone. You don't have to bring a chicken or a goat or a bull to offer his blood. The Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world away. That's the provision. He says all the written requirements which were contrary to us. Guys, I wouldn't have a chance in hell to be able to figure out the Apple computers. But something greater and higher is the eternal salvation of my soul. How would I fathom to be able to be saved? And here God has done it all. The simplicity of the gospel. We can rejoice. You who are not a doctorate degree, you're not a genius, you might be a geek, but you could bring your friend to salvation. You could bring him the simplicity of the message that God so loved the world, he sent his son to die on the cross. And that blood that was provided, that blood that was there provided for you and I is the hope of incredible salvation. Incredible entrance to the plan of God. What? Listen to me. Omar got accepted to dental school. We praise God for that. Hallelujah. That took a lot of work. It took GPAs. It took CPAs. It took IMEs, MRIs. It took everything. But thank God that he came to Jesus Christ, not by what he was able to bring. He didn't have to go through any interview process. He didn't have to go through any presentation. He, he just had to come to the feet of Jesus Christ. A lowest place. He didn't have to go to a palace. He didn't have to go to a Mecca, to a spiritual site. He came to Jesus. And so I wonder why some of you are taking so long. To the simplicity of the gospel, you must be thinking like Satan. Why do I say that? Because Satan took Jesus to a high mountain. He says, if you can throw yourself off this cliff, then you'll be a son of God. If you turn physically into chemistry and physics, this rock into bread, if you convert this into food, then you're qualified. And he said, no, my friend, I'm qualified, not because of what I do, but because of what God has done. What God has done is glorious. It's great. It's impossible. But for a, a mighty God, it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter um, did we finish that? Let's, let's finish, uh, let's finish 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, but it is from him that you have your life in Christ. It is from God that he became our wisdom. He's our qualifier. He did everything required to bring many sons to salvation. You don't have to read no books, no manuals. We don't, some, I remember a gang leader here in Miami. I, I witnessed to him on the streets. He says, look, I got to get my life right before God, before I come to God. No, my friend, come just as you are. God is going to fix you. All the mess, all the confusion, all the bitterness, all the hate. Come to Jesus. He will qualify you in his wisdom and in his righteousness. And he will sanctify you and redeem you. Verse 31 says like this. So then, as it is written, let him who will boast. Verse 31, please. God is, yeah, let him who glories. Let him glory in God. This is not about what you're doing, about how fancy you are, how many times you go to church, how, how faithful you are in tithes. Way before all that, the Bible says, while we were yet enemies of God, he loved us. How much more now we have come to his son. And he's given us high marks of acceptance. It says there in, um, in 1 Corinthians 2.1. It says, 1 Corinthians 2.1. 
Paul is writing these words. He says, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech. I didn't come come with any words of fancy theological depth and ecclesiastical dignity. I, I didn't come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse two, he says like this. He says, let's put it up there. Verse two. For I determined not to know anything. Well, how you get in not knowing anything? How you qualify? Listen, I was a dirty, down, low, sinner, bum, scum of the earth. And Jesus told me about the love of God. I heard about his care for me. That was sufficient to get my attention. I determined, Paul says, to know nothing. Paul was a great scholar. He was qualified. He says, I had to throw all these things away that I might receive the free gift of salvation through grace alone and not by works that no one should boast of how fancy they are. When I first came to church and they say, well, Joaquin, we want you to start walking a holy life. I, I had this picture of a big hat and a long white dress and a whole bunch of garlands. And, and no. I didn't, I didn't understand holiness. He says, I didn't come to you. I determined to know nothing, Paul says, except focus on Jesus Christ on the cross. Verse 2, let's put it back up there, please. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. I determined not to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him giving his life for me. That's enough. That's deep. The Bible says the fullness of God's heart is in that in that simple thing that happened, verse 3, I was with you in total weakness, in total fear. I was so challenged by the greatness of coming to God. How, would I, how could somebody like me come to God? How would God receive me if no one receives me? In verse 4, he says, my language and my message were not something that I was preaching based on words of human wisdom, but there was some power in the Spirit of God The demonstration of the Spirit of God, His love, was upon me. Verse um, 4. Now we said 4, now we're on 5. He says, so that your faith should not be all piled up and stacked up and and architecturally designed and structurally engineered to, to show forth your ability. But the power of God. The mighty power of God. And that's where I am overwhelmed by this message I bring you this morning. The kingdom of God is at hand. Go back to simple. He says like this in in, uh, Corinthians. We'll read this real quick. Um, He says, I fear that some of you might get all complicated by Satan who loves to do complicated things. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 11.3. He says, I fear that, no, let's go to 2 Corinthians 11.3. I fear, my concern is somehow the devil, just as he deceived Eve by his craftiness, try to complicate things, try and mix up your mind. He says that your minds may be corrupted from simplicity. From something so simple, I'm a sinner, Jesus died for sinners, I'm in. I confess him. Uh, I want you to do this this morning because everything God has for you is, is a step away. Everything that God has for you is simple. 
It's based on love. It's based on his goodness. Everything, law school for me, my marriage, my family, it's not complicated. My finances, the prosperity, it's all, 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 all the goodness of God. All of it is the goodness of God. The peace of God. I couldn't sleep at night if I didn't come under his shadow and his presence. My favorite verse in the Bible, and I finish with this, is Isaiah 35, 8. This was my hope as I read it when I was a young, adolescent, crazy man. The Bible says it doesn't matter how, look what it says, there's a highway there, a road. It will be called the highway of holiness. Those that are corrupt and unbelieving and twisted in this world will not be able to pass over this bridge. But it will be there for others. Whoever walks this road, although he's a fool, shall not go astray. I, I was twisted by people. People, I was twisted. I didn't have one good thought in this brain. But when I got on the way, the truth, and the life, it's been 29 years. It's been easy gliding. Easy riding. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the peace of God. I walk in the Apple store and don't know a thing about Apple computers, but I know that my Redeemer lives. I know there's a mighty God. I know there's a God who saves, heals, and delivers. We've had the full right of all the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. I invite you this day to quit making excuses, to quit challenging all the complexities of and, and if there were dinosaurs did they jump backwards did they fly inside listen my friend you're going to hell with every thought repent for the kingdom of God is within reach this morning let's stand this morning let's ask God for simplicity of our mind I love the Proverbs 1 um, let's go ahead and read that real quick as you're standing I have time because you're standing you're taking long standing um, this is this is the verse that, that I hang on to a lot is chapter 1 of Proverbs um, where it says these words. It says, um, go figure. Proverbs 1 and verse 23. If you turn today, listen to me, don't leave it for tomorrow. If today you say, Lord, I want to be as simple as you are. Take away the depth of my satanic predisposition and proclivities to think like the devil. I want to be simple. And God says, if you repent, the kingdom of God is within hand. Proverbs 1.23. Turn your attitude today and I'll pour out my spirit upon you and I will make all my words known to you. God's just going to just clear up your mind. And everything that is an obstacle, a hindrance, a restraint, it's just going to be unfettered. The devil's not going to take you to a high cliff and say, jump, turn a rock into uh, all these things he does. Today, if you become simple, I will pour out my spirit upon you. And I'll make you to know all things. How many are willing to do that? This is a powerful message this morning. Short but powerful. Amen? Yes. Um, let's, let's not walk in... And deep sophistication. We know what that means, right? We, we learn sophistication means stupidity. What was it? Yeah, stupid. Okay. Here it goes. We're going to say, God, make us simple. Our Christianity cannot be so complex. Right, one of the verses, I'm sorry, I have, to, I have to give you this verse. Romans 10, 5. He says, for Moses writes about righteousness, which is of the law. All the, all the laws that require you to do to become, it says the man who does these things shall live by them. 
And then verse 6 he says, but the righteousness that comes through faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who's going to reach the depth of God or who'll go down to get the deepest knowledge, who will descend to the abyss. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, for with the heart one believes and is made righteous, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Simple. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. Can you raise your hand to the heavens and say, Father, say it out loud, Father, let me receive your simple gospel, the good news that you loved me and you gave your son to die on the cross, to shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. As the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the world. I am saved, not by my works, but by your grace, through your love in Christ Jesus. I repent today of my sins, of my rebellion, of my disobedience. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Write my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life where all the names are written of those who have received the free gift of salvation. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says, Amen and Amen and Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Sing how I love you, Lord. 